Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Michelle and Friends. Hi, everyone. I am Dr. Michelle, and this is session number three. We are taking a revelatory walk through the pages of Scripture where we are gaining information and knowledge, and we are encountering the heart of God as we go. We are in the book of Genesis, and over the last video, I spoke about creation and Adam and Eve and how sin entered humanity through disobedience. And then I went on to Noah at the Tower of Babel. And then we moved over to meet a person named Abram. Now, God originally was dealing with everyone and trying to get everyone to follow in his ways and just to enjoy the relationship that he created them for. But mankind continually rebelled against God and disobeyed him. So God shifts his focus from all of humanity to one man. And through this one man, there would be a family, there would be a nation that would be called to follow God wholeheartedly and to do the things that he asks of them. And then through this lineage, we would receive the Messiah many, many later years later on. So in Genesis chapter 15, we see that, you know, God has called out Abram to leave his family and everything that he knows and go to where he's leading him. And he gives him blessing. He gives him covenant that he's going to do a mighty thing in and through Abram and his family. And as Abram believes God, we see that he is seen righteous before the Lord. He believed God's promise and he obeys God's commands. So he also is promised to have a child and he's older. His wife is older and they have yet to have a son. But God has repeated the promise that there will be a descendant coming from Abram and his wife, Sarai. We are moving over into chapters 16 through 32. And before I start with the action of these chapters, I want to introduce you to the characters that you're going to meet along the way. So you've already met Abram and his wife, Sarai. Now we're going to meet someone named Hagar. We are going to learn about Ishmael. You've already heard about Lot, which is Abram's nephew. And we're going, we're going to learn more about Lot, his family, his wife, his daughters. We are going to meet someone named Abimelech, who is the king of Gerar. Then we're going to meet Isaac, Abram's son. So yes, there is a promise of one that comes on the scene. And we're going to meet Isaac's wife, Rebecca, and we're going to learn more about their family. Then it's going to go on to Jacob, who is the son of Isaac. And we're going to learn about his wives, a little bit about his story, and his brother Esau. So those are the main characters we're going to be talking about. So as I share the, the narrative and let you know what's happening in these chapters, listen out for these names and see how, if you can find out how they all fit together. <laughs> I've had to diagram it more than once to make sure I know who's, who's sister and who's cousin and who's nephew and niece to follow what God is doing. But it takes a little time, but you will get it and you will learn the principles of their lives. So 
So an overview of the action. We're going to start off with the promise that God has given to Abram that he will have a son. And like I said, I spoke about that in chapter 15 of Genesis. And we're going to build on that because God is faithful. One of the themes you will see throughout the entire study of uh, the Old Testament of Genesis, and dare I say the entire Bible, is that God is faithful. We don't always know how all the things are going to work together. We don't always know how he's going to move. But one thing that we can, uh, you know, just stake our lives on is the faithfulness of God. In Genesis chapter 3, when God shows us what his salvation plan is to bring humanity back into right standing with him through a Messiah, we see that answer later on and through the whole Bible, how everything leads up to that. Why? You guessed it, because God is faithful. So let's jump right into it, shall we? God promises Abram and he promises Sarai that, listen, you will have a child. I'm going to bless you, bless your seed, your descendants. Through you, the entire world shall be blessed. But Sarai is still barren at 75, okay? And um, Abram is 10 years older than her, so he's, he's 85. And she believes that, hey, God has prevented her from bearing. The promise is true, but God has prevented her from bringing forth a seed. And so she really wants Abram to have this promised child. So she suggests that Abram take uh, her maidservant, Hagar, and have a child with her. Now, this was a common practice at that time that people would um, give their maidservants to their spouses to have children. And then in this custom, Sarai would have taken that child as her own. So it was a common practice at that time. The only difference is that God has promised that Abram would have a son and Sarai would be the mother. So they kind of take things into their own hands and they introduce Hagar to Abram. So Abram marries her and Hagar conceives. And as soon as she conceives, now she begins to despise her mistress or her the one who leads her, Sarai, and that she's barren. All right, so now her, uh, Hagar is having a baby and she looks at her mistress and she's you know despising that she is barren. And Sarai, she complains, right? And she blames Abram. And Abram, he says, listen, do whatever you think is right. Do to her whatever you think is right. He could have intervened and, you know, said that that is not right treatment or that is not the way to think, but he lets her have her way. So what does Sarai do? She treats Hagar harshly and Hagar flees. Hagar leaves the house and she's found in the wilderness by a fountain by the angel of the Lord. And he gives her an overview of the life of the child that she's carrying. And in verse 11 of chapter 16, he says this to her, the angel of the Lord, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. So Ishmael means God will hear. The angel continues, he shall be a wild man, his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell 
in the presence of all of his brethren. So this is what the, uh, the overview of Ishmael's life is going to be. So the angel sends Hagar back and tells her to submit to um, Sarai and to remain there. And in response, Hagar calls on the name of the Lord and she gives this title to God, which is El Roy, and it means God who sees. So Hagar goes back and she has Ishmael, her baby, and Abram is 86 years old, okay? So he becomes a father for the first time at 86 years old. So we're moving over into Genesis 17, and we see Hagar is back at her, her place of a residence, and Ishmael is born. But God appears to Abram when he is 99. So some time has passed. And Sarai is about, Sarai is about 89, and he restates the covenant to Abram, right? So much time has passed. Abram has Ishmael, but God comes back and restates the covenant and what his prom promises were to Abram. And he changes Abram's name. Abram means exalted father. And he changes that to Abraham. So many people know him as Abraham, which means father of multitude. And he changes Sarai's name, which means princess, to Sarah, which means a noble woman. So after this encounter, Abram falls on his face and he laughs at the idea of being a father again in his old age. And I just love this because the Bible is so real, right? He is old. He's like, I don't think this is going to happen. Ishmael is here. You know, we've got what we needed. And, um, he just laughs at the prospect of being a father again. And he wants Ishmael to, to stand before the Lord and to, to be that child of promise. But God says no. But God doesn't leave Ishmael out because, of course, it is not Ishmael's fault that he is here. So he still blesses Ishmael and says, listen, he will be a father of a great nation. But the promise belongs to the promised son that's about to come. So this covenant that, that God makes with Abram, he's going to give him a seed, and then through the seed uh, and his descendants, the earth will be blessed. God gives Abram this covenant and a sign of the covenant to show that this covenant is in effect. And the sign of the covenant is circumcision. And circumcision is the removal of the foreskin of a male. And God instructs Abram to circumcise all boy children at the age of eight days old. And in this, in this interaction, God says to Abram, verse 10, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. Okay. So this is the instruction. And when this interaction between Abraham and God is over, Abraham, in quick obedience, goes and circumcises every man, every boy that is within his household. So Ishmael himself and all his servants, everybody is circumcised. And this is the sign of the covenant that he has with him and God. So there we see the promised child is still coming, even though Ishmael is on the scene. Now we're going to move over a little bit and listen, it's three men, 
came to visit a to visit Abraham and he just takes great care of them. He shows genuine hospitality. And they come as a reminder that Abraham and Sarah will become parents. Now, it's Sarah's turn to laugh. She laughs with him because she's, she's about 89 years old, right? She laughs at this prospect. And then this beautiful statement is made by the, the men that visit, is there anything too hard for the Lord? That question was asked then, and it's asked to us today. Listen, in your life, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You think that the time has passed, that it's no longer for you, your season has passed, but let me tell you, once God has promised it, is there anything too hard for the Lord? So that baby is coming. That baby is coming. Now we're going to move over to Genesis 18 and 19, and we're going to look at... Um, an interesting thing that happens in the Bible with two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And God decides to destroy these cities because the wickedness is very great. Verse 17 to 18 says this, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So he shares with Abraham that he is going to uh, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah because their sin is very grave. And Abraham, as the righteous person that he is, he intercedes. He prays and he says, Lord, if you will find 50 righteous people who live there, will you spare the city? And God's like, I'll spare it. I'll spare it. And then he goes down. How about 40? God's like, I will spare it. Abraham, if there are 30, will you spare it? And God says, I will spare it. He says, if there are 20, will you spare it? God says, I will spare it. And then Abram comes down to 10. If there are 10, all right, there must be 10 people, righteous people in this city. You know, God says, I will spare it. So God is giving Sodom an opportunity to repent, the people to turn from their wickedness. But unfortunately, they don't. There aren't 10 righteous people within these cities. So two angels go to Sodom to destroy the city. Now, if you remember, in the last video, I said that Lot, when he separated from Abraham, he went close to, to um, Sodom and he resided there. He pitched his tent there. Lot is there sitting at the gates and you can tell that he's a man of influence in the city. He's got some type of respect because at the gate is where the respected people, the leaders sit. That's a place to be seen. So they, so these two angels go to Sodom and they meet Lot there at the gate. And Lot asks them to come to his home to, you know, to give them the whole hospitality treatment. Now, there is great evil in this city and the angels have come to destroy it. But Abraham has prayed for, for Lot. His intercession for Lot has gone up. And so we're seeing that God is merciful. So going to the house of Lot and his family, there's an interesting thing that happens. Because when the men of the city realize that uh, there are two angels or two in the figures of men in Lot's house, they come and they try to drag out the angels because what? They want to have sexual intercourse with the angels. And it gets so bad. Listen to the drama in this story. It gets so bad that Lot offers his virgin daughters to the men. Say, listen, you can't have these men who have come 
the angels who have come, but I will give you my daughters and you can do to them what you please. And the men on the outside of the house, they don't want the woman. They want the two men who are in the house of Lot. And so they are pushed, trying to push their way in and it gets so bad that the angels the, the two angels strike the men on the outside with blindness so that they could, can't really find the door. So the angels say, say to Lot, listen, we've come to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and you and your family need to escape. And Lot is trying to get everybody to, to rally around and even his son-in-law, so his daughter's fiancés, because at that time, you know, if you're a fiance, you're basically married. And um, he goes to the fiances and said, listen, we need to go. And they won't even listen to Lot. They see Lot as one who is mocking. And it shows us that Lot had compromised before. And being in a place where the evil was so grave, you know, he may have compromised the point where they didn't really believe that he wanted to stand for righteousness. And we see that, you might think that I'm making a leap there, but we see that because in the text, when the angels are leaving, Lot lingers. He is reluctant to leave. And the angels literally have to hurry him out. They hurry him out. And as he's going, God begins to rain down brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. So we thank God that Lot is spared through the pleading of Abram. But as they're leaving, Lot's wife, right? She looks back at all that she's leaving and she turns into a pillar of salt. So that's a reminder to us, even when God is moving us on to things that are no longer good for us, don't look back. Don't grieve for the past. Don't want it still because what is before you is better than what is behind you. So they escape, and now it's Lot and his two daughters. The son-in-law is not going anywhere, and the wife is a pillar of salt. And they go forward, and they go into this city, and Lot's daughters, now remember, they, they grew up in this culture of all this evil and all this indecency. So they are worried that they won't have husbands, and they decide to commit incest with, the, with Lot, with their father. They decide to get him drunk, and one night, the firstborn will sleep with him. And then the next night, the secondborn will sleep with him. So both do that. They carry out their plan. And the firstborn ends up pregnant. And she has a child named Moab. Now, you can put a pin in that name, Moab. And from that lineage, you have the Moabites. And you will hear that name again because much, much later on, someone named Ruth comes from that nation. So the firstborn has a child named Moab, and the secondborn has a child named Ben-Ami. And from that family, we have the Ammonites. And if you stick with me in this journey, you will see that the Ammonites caused some trouble later on. So these two nations, the Moabites and the Ammonites, come from incest, daughters sleeping with their father. And the main verse of, of this, this chapter is verse 16, and it's this. When he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his daughters. The Lord being merciful to him, they brought him out and set him outside the city. So that's just a reminder that um, God was merciful to them, sent two angels to destroy, but also to save Lot, you know, because of his connection to Abraham. And they were so 
part of this city that they linger. They wanted to stay, even though the Lord said that this sin, the sin of the city was grave. The evil was grave. They had compromised the point where they wanted to stay among that. May that, that not be our story today. We must see what is good, what is evil, and not linger in the things that are evil because they do not please God.